You're listening to Living in Alignment podcast, the show that brings you deep and conscious conversations to live and grow in rhythm to your natural state. I'm your host, Rada Khalifi. We judge people in a matter of seconds based on their style and fashion sense. Why not explore a more reliable system for understanding the human mind? Today, Mariam and I delve into the fascinating world of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. Mariam Penasetti is a founder and owner of 21 Next Steps. She has masters in counseling and has worked for global firms specializing in leadership and development programs in Switzerland and across the Europe. Tune in if you want to learn quickly and easily about the unique personalities of yourself and others. And thank you for being here. Grab a glass of water and I'll be right back with Maria. Mariam, hi, and welcome to our show. I'm excited to chat with you today. Please tell us about you and what makes you passionate about your work. Hi, Rada. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, Yeah, I'm passionate about my work because it really touches people's lives, their everyday life. Um, The tools we're going to talk about today are ones that really help people gain self-awareness, into their preferences, how they work best, where they struggle, and it helps them gain that insight about themselves and therefore improve how they perceive and interact with other people as well. So it really has a, has a huge impact on every area of someone's life and how they navigate it to their best potential. Yeah, and uh, like I know uh, that Myers-Briggs type indicator is one of the most popular psychological assessment in the world today, and many people swear that knowing their type has helped them gain a better understanding of themselves. Can you tell us more uh, about the history of Myers-Briggs and how it's still relevant today? Yeah, the history of Myers-Briggs is very, very interesting. It is rooted in Jungian Jungian typology theory. And Jung had a very sophisticated theory of typology, but he was the one who first came up with these poles that we're going to talk about in the MBTI. Um, But then uh, it was Isabel Myers and Catherine Briggs, a mother and a daughter, who took his theory and operationalized it into this uh, indicator, into this test. And um, basically, Isabel Myers was a stay-at-home mom who was uh, uh, looking after her children and some of the neighborhood children. And through observing children, she started to identify that different kids acted in different ways, like had had specific behavior patterns uh, that were repetitive and that were comforting to them or that were where they'd struggle more. And that's where she stumbled on the ideology of typology and started exchanging back and forth in correspondence with Jung and asking him questions. And then later on, when her daughter grew up as well and started seeing the the importance of this kind of work, they operationalized it into this inventory to help people be better able to identify their preferences and be able to better navigate the world. Wow, how fascinating how that journey. So uh, for our listeners now, they must be like intrigued to know more about this MBTI 
person, their uh, MBTI personality types and um, the psychological scales. Can you walk us through that, Maryam? Sure. The, the, the MBTI, usually the result that you get when you take the test is uh, four letters. Um, so there are four letters on four different um, axes. And the first one is called introversion and extroversion. And these don't necessarily, these labels don't necessarily mean what they mean in our usual vocabulary. Uh, mm -hmm. Jung and the MBTI gives them very specific uh, definitions. But basically, there's introversion and extroversion, and that has to do with how we project and where we direct our, our energy, yeah? Mm. So um, what we call introvert people with a preference for introversion are people who would rather reflect before speaking, uh, spend more time reflecting on things, get energy more from within themselves and their own thoughts and ideas, Whereas extroverts are people who are really out there and get energized and spend their energy uh, speaking to others, interacting with others. Um, it's not to be confused with sociable and shy because those mm. are different attributes. Mm. Yeah, it, it really has to do with where people get resourced, where they project their energy and where they receive energy from. So an, an, someone with a preference for extroversion will will get energy from big meeting rooms that are bustling with ideas and things like that whereas someone with a preference for introversion might kind of you know have to struggle to be energized in that mm -hmm. in that kind of environment yeah mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. there like is there cuz i i try to like in my assessment and the personality type, I know that I'm introverted person. Like I have the introversion in me, but there's also sometimes where I feel actually I get my energy from connecting with people and being with people. Is there somewhere in the middle between introversion and extroversion? Absolutely. And, and nowadays they're, they're talking about ambiversion or ambiverts mm. people who who are really sitting on the middle of that scale there mm. are people so the the interesting thing when you take the myers-briggs is it not only indicates which preference you have but it also indic indicates the degree or the profundity of that preference and for some people it might be a huge preference and for some people, it might be very slight. And other people, like maybe your feeling, can mm -hmm. literally be sitting on the fence. Yeah? They can yeah. literally be 50-50, where there's no clear preference indicated. And this is why this is not really a, you know, it's a self-report questionnaire. And usually people who take it are are advised to then have a coaching or counseling session with someone to debrief the results. Mm -hmm. Because... Because it's self-report, um, sometimes there's, there's difficulties understanding why some of the results show the way they do. There could be some surprises. There could be some confusion. And it has happened on occasion. It's rare, but it has happened that people answer the test in such a way, uh, thinking about one specific context or depending on the day that they just had or something like that. And so they, they're yielded a result where after a coaching session with them, they realize that one or two of the preferences weren't quite accurate and they decide that they're the other preference. And it's really the person needs to own their type. Whatever type they feel they are is their type. Yeah? 
Yeah, I mean, such a good point you just mentioned um, about like, it's not about taking the assessment and how to uh, use it and put it into a, in a process where you can own it. Yeah, exactly. The person really has to take ownership of it. Yeah, yeah. feel that that really reflects them and who they are. Yeah. yeah, and the importance of having uh, some support reading and uh, like uh, this analysis, this assessment, uh, and through a coach or a counselor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's key. They help guide you with the right questions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So that's so that's the introversion, introversion, and extroversion. What about the other types? The other scales. So the second scale we look at is how people uh, process information. And there we have two preferences uh, symbolized by the letters N and S. N is for intuition and S is for sensing. Mm. And again, this doesn't mean that the intuitives have more intuition than the sensors. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not yeah. what it's... Uh, so <laughs> it's here... <the> <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because some people do get competitive about these things, right? So you have to be... Yeah. Keep emphasizing who's better, because, or like it's yeah. always like who's better and who's you know the best type here, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah. the purpose. No, there's no like they're all all sixteen types are equal. Like there's no better type than the other. So that's really that's a lot of uh, that's a big strength of this work is that mm-hmm. all types have their positives and their difficulties, and no one is better than the other. So. Um, yeah, and, and Mariam, I want to add something here is that for the sake of this conversation and living in alignment, the purpose of highlighting those personality types and knowing yourself through this measure is only to get you closer to be in alignment with who you are and own, um, you know, know your energy and how you want to show up and grow in the world. It's not about labeling you or um, um, putting a limitation on you. Exactly, exactly. And it's so important what you just said. This is really a tool for people in their development, helping them to live in better alignment with themselves. And it is never to be used for any other purpose. So it's never ever used in recruitment, for example, or it's never like you would never base any decision making on somebody's like uh, MBTI type. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. really purely for development and when MBTIs are conducted in organizations, the report and the type is shared only with the person who did the assessment and it's up to them if they want to share it with anybody else, their team Mm -hmm. members or HR or anybody else. So Mm -hmm. it's purely, purely development and about, you know, self-knowledge and self-awareness and and evolving their own, they're Mm -hmm. in their own path, yeah? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I interrupted you when you were saying about the sensing and intuition, uh, the N and the S. Go ahead. So the N and the S, that's how the, the, this is how we process information. So people with an N preference, intuiting preference, are people who kind of have more of a big picture thinking, yeah? Um, they kind of uh, like to see the overall picture of things. They tend to be rather future focused. Uh, they like to imagine different possibilities and outcome, outcomes that might be real or imagined. Okay, so they, mm-hmm. they tend to like to hypothesize a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
sensing people are people who are more in the concrete. Yeah, They're kind of more in the here and now. They like to look at the data. They like to gather information more through their senses, what they can see, touch, feel. Um, one of the exercises we do, because when we run a workshop, we have different exercises to demonstrate the different preferences. And one of the exercises for this, this preference is you give them a picture of a, of a landscape, okay? And you ask them each to, to make a quick sketch of it, okay? And it's funny, but even within minutes, you'll have people with a sensing preference getting into, like if there's a tree in the picture, for example, they'll be drawing every single leaf on the tree and the veins and the leaves. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to reproduce the picture exactly as they see it. And that paints a very good picture of what somebody with a sensing preference mm -hmm. is like and how they yeah. take in information. Yeah. Uh, I can, I cannot relate to that because I know like I'm, I follow my intuition most of the time, but mm -hmm. Maryam, are there examples of professions that are, you know, that use their senses uh, versus the ones who use their intuition? Can you give us an example or that's a stretch? Yeah, I mean, the, no, the, it's, it's very, like, you wouldn't base it on one, just one letter preference, but there are definitely, when you look at the 16 types, there are definitely, there have been studies that have been done that show that specific types tend to be found more in certain professions, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you'll, the STs, okay, will tend to be found in engineering, uh, you know, th um, industrial engineering, mechanical engineering, IT, communication, something that requires number crunching, working with data, yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. STJs, yeah? Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> that's a good, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's mm -hmm. a big generalization, but yes, uh, general, and that's the, the other interesting thing about the MBTI, and even though I'm not sure how up-to-date this data is, they usually keep it up-to-date, but even though some of these studies correlating type with different careers, even the older studies, they really give some incredibly, um, incredibly accurate answers that are, that are relevant to today. So when you get somebody who really like, I don't know, a young graduate, for example, who, who has many options ahead of them and really don't know which path to take, it can help them narrow these choices down by seeing which choices might be more suitable for their type as well. Yeah, interesting. So what about the thinking and the feeling part, this, the scale of thinking so, and yeah. feeling? Thinking and feeling has to do with how we make our decisions. And thinking people will tend to make final conclusive decisions based on objective fact, okay? Without so much taking into consideration non-objective or subjective facts. Mm -hmm. Whereas people with a feeling preference will take the subjective into account first. They'll be more interested in if we make this decision, how might other people feel? What will be the impact? Uh, who will get upset? Who will it benefit? You know, okay. Whereas the thinkers know they're going to look at A plus B equals C and, and base their decision on that. And that's that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the then, last one is the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to go on to the last one. Um, the, the last one has to do with basically how we organize the world around us. Yeah, so the last poll has to do with J for judging and P for perceiving. 
And again, these words mean very different things. But people with a judging preference are basically those people who are planners. They like to plan. They like to make lists. They like to have short, medium, and long term and step by step. They don't really like when there are any changes to their plans. They like to stick to a quite organized way of living their, their life or doing their work. Yeah? yeah. Whereas P, perceiving, people with a preference for perceiving, uh, like to leave more open doors. They like to leave room open for flexibility. Uh, they don't like to, to have a plan so much. They prefer to be able to wing it or be spontaneous, um, see what comes, be able to adjust along the way. Um, so yeah, so it's a very different way of organizing your world and your life. Yeah. Typically you'll have in a couple, it's really interesting. In a couple, you'll usually have one J and one P. You'll almost never have two J's or two P's. Yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah. It would be so interesting to have this similar, huh? Uh, just uh, the, we're not going to go into that because that's like another topic, which is quite interesting as well. Uh, yeah. But, but you, when you were saying about perceiving, leaving room for uh, being spontaneous, you know, like being more in a flow, it made me smile because like that's music to my ears. That's who I like. That's who I am, actually, when I'm yeah. in alignment, of course, because I, I tend to like when I'm not in alignment, I tend to really be meticulous and controlling every single thing. Yeah. 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 I feel I'm also a P preference, so I can relate to that as well. I, if you ask me to make like a, you know, uh, a 90 day strategy plan for something, I, I, I kind of clench up. Um, that's not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And, and that's what, like, I, I think what I'm trying to say is highlighting that, uh, because perceiving is more my natural or, you know, essence, it's, it's aligned with who I am. So whenever I go into like trying to control or bring the facts or be very meticulous, not meticulous, but be very, uh, let's say, what's the word? Methodical. Methodical and trying to control every single thing that I want to say or do. I just like, I leave my alignment. I'm just like, not me. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like one is better. It's about what's aligned with you. What's your way of interacting with the word? How are you, um, you know, how does it serve you the best? Yeah, where you feel most natural, exactly, like you said, like at the beginning of a workshop, what we'll do to get people to understand what these letters represent and what they actually mean to them is we'll have people literally grab a pen and we'll say, grab a pen and write your name down. If you're right-handed, grab a pen in your right hand and write your first name down with your right hand and they'll do it. And then we'll ask them to switch hands and write their surname down with their non-preferred hand. Mm -hmm. And then we ask them, well, how did that feel? You know, obviously writing with your right, right hand, it's quick, it's natural, it's easy, it's fun, it's, you, you could do it all day without thinking about it. Um, and writing with your left hand, you can do it, but it takes longer, you feel clumsier, the results might not be as, as, as good as with the right hand. It'll take you longer. You don't feel in flow, in alignment, you know? So that's, that's exactly what it's like, this, this whole notion of, of preferred type. Mm 
-hmm. Your preferred type simply shows you where you feel your most natural, where you're using your most innate skills and strengths. Um, it doesn't mean you can't use the other ones. You do and you can and you have to, but it explains to you why some things might feel more awkward and laborious and, and tense for you than other things. Mariam, thank you so much for taking us into this like MBTI introduction somehow. I know there's more depth to this conversation, but uh, let me ask you another question here about how like knowing our personality type on MBTI really helps and support individuals to live and grow in alignment in both personal and professional life. Yeah, it's great once you know your type because then you just become really very acutely aware of, like we said, those areas that are coming naturally to you where you're in flow and those areas where you're less so. So what does it mean in terms of your day-to-day -day kind of hustle-free living? Well, then you know. So, so I know, for example, that I do my best work when I'm, I'm allowed to free flow, be imaginative, uh, bring in my values about people and things like that. So I know that in situations like that, I can just go in and be myself without doing much preparation. However, if I need to crunch numbers on a spreadsheet, that's something that I know I'm going to have to spend quite a bit of prep time on. It's not something that comes easily to me. I tend to get quite stressed about it. I need to prepare for it. So it, it allows you room for better preparation for those areas that don't come as naturally to you. Um, it also allows you to make sure that you're you're playing to your strengths most of the time. You're maximizing your time where you are most in flow and in alignment, which, which makes for happier living as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so, yeah, of course, like the human personalities are much more complex than, than the type, right? And the type doesn't just explain everything. But how can we take uh, this MBTI theme, if you want to say, or assessment, and deepen this personality knowledge in our day-to-day -day life. Does that make sense to you, uh, Mariam? Um, can you tell me a little bit more? Like, so you take your type and say, okay, how am I going to live my life today as an yeah. ENFP if, or something? Yeah. yeah, how can I bring it into more practice to own this type more on day-to-day -day, uh, basis? I think yeah, owning it day to day, it's great because most people know something about it. So usually you can bring it into your work, you can share with colleagues and friends your type, you know, talk to them about what your preferences are, where you struggle, um, and what comes most naturally to you, where you can play to your strengths and and hopefully, so you can, people can see that value in you if you own it and bring it into your day to day. People can see that value in you and enjoy you for it and vice versa you mm -hmm. can you mm -hmm. can see theirs in them and yeah. and and if everyone can be well usually you're if you're working in an organization for example you're often in a big enough team where hopefully people can really play to their strengths and other people can take over where something's not a natural given strength for you um, or at least support you with it so so knowing knowing how to play to your strengths expressing it to others uh, being able to ask for the support you need when you need it, um, I guess it is how yeah. it would show up. Yeah, that's an important one. And, and I guess now when I asked you this question, I made me think of another question, which is 
um, maybe deepening this knowledge is not doing it on your own as well to really to be able to process this information and deepen it for you to use it in your daily life is to um, you know ask for support and and uh, right this is what's yeah. what's yeah. Uh, um, coming to me yeah absolutely yes so so typically this this can be the beginning of um, you know you usually have a counseling session with somebody to debrief their report mm-hmm. and if if that isn't part of a greater like kind of longer coaching or counseling program it can then become one because oftentimes you know if people have done this for the first time it leads them to many more things they would want to explore and go deeper with and and find out more about and how they can best bring it bring it to use in their lives so so usually uh you know oftentimes you need more than just one counseling session because people do want to go deeper into that work it is very interesting yeah so, Mariam, how can people find you if you wanna, they want to do the work with you and take it into a deeper level? So, people can very easily find me on my website, 21 Next Steps. I have a 21-week program where I help people and support them through exploring these kinds of things. The first seven weeks of the program is, is very exploratory, where they would take an MBTI um, we would debrief the results and we would use that in combination with other tools to, to help them identify their strengths and how they can best use them to live a, a life that is best aligned with, with, with their type and their values. Um, so yeah, the best way is through my, sorry, through my website, 21nextsteps.com. Yeah. And I'll make sure actually to list, um, the website and of course your social media, uh, where are you more active on the social media? What platform? I'm very active on LinkedIn, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more recently on, on Instagram and Facebook, but I admit that these, these, these are a little more challenging for me as I'm, mm-hmm. I'm newer to them. So, but I'm, I'm still present on both, but mostly, mostly LinkedIn. Great, great. So one last question before we sign off, off here, uh, Mariam. Uh, what does living in alignment mean to you? Living in alignment for me, um, it's, it's just this, this beautiful feeling of feeling like you're kind of floating or surfing through life because you're clear about your values and who you are and how you want to show up in the world. And so you can bring, you know, you can take every step forward towards reaching your potential with this, this confidence that you are in alignment with yourself. Thank you. Mariam, it's such a pleasure. I mean, I love connecting with you and I really appreciate you giving us the time and, uh, and spending time with us today and uh, sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rada. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've got something interesting to share, tag us in a post on Instagram or comment below. We'd love to hear about your takeaways. I'd be grateful if you head up to iTunes and give us a rating. Also, who do you know can benefit from today's episode? Pay it forward, share the link. Thanks for listening. This is Rada Khalifi signing off.